2018 is shaping up to be one of the deadliest years ever when it comes to pedestrian and cyclist injuries and deaths on Toronto streets. With the fall in full swing, students back to school and life getting busy again for everyone, now is the time to consider how we all might begin to improve these grim statistics for the remainder of the year and definitely into 2009. What can we do, Toronto? We have Vision Zero. It is time to start fulfilling on Vision Zero. I'm Ken Evans, a CSR partner of RSA Canada, and I'll be your guide in this podcast series. Joining me on this episode are two very special guests, Donna Ince, Senior Vice President of Personal Insurance at RSA Canada, and Kyle Ashley, a former parking enforcement officer with the Toronto Police Service and street safety advocate. Thank you both for joining us. Yes. Thanks. Now let's get into it. I mean, we're sitting here uh, on the day after the municipal elections in Toronto. Not a, not a lot of huge surprises, except that obviously it was a very volatile election moving from 47 to 25 and that whole dynamic. Um, the in, When we think about the election that we just had, some of the burning issues were housing affordability, transit, uh, but issues like Vision Zero, street safety, yes, transit was part of it, but probably more from the uh, perspective of public transit. But Kyle, as, as someone who, uh, who's been following uh, the election, who participated um, in many ways in the first, we'll call it the first half of the election mm-hmm. before it got changed, what were you hearing perhaps from constituents and, and were you disappointed, surprised that that street safety specifically, given the number of pedestrian deaths and injuries we've seen in 2008, wasn't a bigger issue? Absolutely. It was It was quite shocking because what I was hearing at the doors was much different than what was being played on the news. Uh, at the doors, road safety and street safety was a major concern uh, for, for young families in Lee's mm-hmm. side in North Toronto where I was running. Uh, but then when it came down to sort of the media reporting it, um, it took a back burner uh, in, in this mayoral race to affordability uh, mm-hmm. and in some sort of... Uh, equitable justice issues. Uh, Rightfully so, these are big issues, uh, but it wasn't translating what I was hearing at the door uh, and reading in the papers, uh, despite the polls saying that road safety is an increasing concern for the people of this city. It's a it's a growing concern for uh, just about everybody in the city, Donna, as you know, because everybody can put the, themselves in that position. Everybody experiences what it's like to be out and about on Toronto streets, both as uh, a driver, a pedestrian, uh, a cyclist. So we can all in many ways relate, but in fact, we don't often relate to the other, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, even though we probably all participate as one of those roles at some point in the day or some point in the week, uh, it seems like when we get either behind the wheel or we're walking on the street or we're riding our bike, we we sort of absorb that role. Interesting point that Kyle's making. What I what I heard too was um, there was a lot of questions around each of the candidates what their position was on Vision Zero. Mm-hmm. So what I was really encouraged um, was that it started to it was getting that level of visibility mm-hmm. where they said where they stood on Vision Zero. You're probably right. It probably didn't go deep enough. Mm-hmm. But what I thought was great was that it started to become a political positioning. So I thought it was interesting. It's starting to get more um, momentum, but mm-hmm. but probably not enough, like yeah, you like said. Cycle Toronto and TCAT obviously did candidate report cards on where you stand on road safety. A lot of the incumbents, actually both of the incumbent challengers in the, in the ward where I was running up in North Toronto, uh, both of them refused to even take the, the survey. Mm. Um, so we, we saw a growing uh, support among uh, candidates across the city and even the mayor himself, the mayor-elect, um, but some councillors are just failing to 
to launch the program or get behind it. Uh, but the support at the doors, I think CBC did a poll back in May and Cycletrono recently. It was around 80% support for, for dedicated safety infrastructure for, for pedestrians and cyclists. So let's just for context purposes, let's take a step back and actually uh, look at what Truce TO is, mm -hmm. what its purpose is. Uh, Truce TO is uh, is an advocacy position that uh, that Donna, you at RSA have uh, yes. have taken the lead on, really as a, as a as a opportunity to be a moderator. Yes. Uh, between these constituents, between the the pedestrian, the cyclist, and the motorist, also understanding that a pedestrian is also a motorist, and a motorist is a pedestrian, and a cyclist, and vice versa. Right. Uh, but there are have been these lines drawn between these three groups, particularly between the driver, pedestrians, and cyclists, right? right? And trying to bring that level of understanding that infrastructure and design is very, very important. But in the interim, we also have to we also have to influence behavior and a sense of empathy. Maybe you just want to elaborate quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're trying to do with Truce TO is is really um, turn down the heat. Uh, that 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 often happens on the street when when these t you know one or three of these two roles uh, uh, collide, so we we really want to not point fin fingers at any one particular role. We're looking for more dialogue. We're looking for, um, as you mentioned, empathy is probably the best word to describe what we're trying to do, which is really put yourself in the other person's shoes, um, so that we have a better understanding and there's and there's less conflict and, and sometimes it can it can turn violent and that's you know that's really unfortunate um, it's, it's really about understanding being more um, sensitive to the role that each other plays when they're on the role because because we are inevitably um, interacting all the time whether you're a pedestrian or a cyclist or a, a driver so we feel that <clears throat> while this is not going to solve all the problems changing that mindset it is pretty powerful. Um, as you mentioned, infrastructure change is absolutely necessary to improve what, what's happening on the streets. The challenge is it's long-term, it's expensive. Um, we have to get everybody in a room, all the stakeholders in the room to agree to what it should be. Um, and that's that's going to take, take some time to get it right. So in the meantime, we still have this problem. So how do we at least take one step forward to try and prove that? Um, make people more aware, educate people so that they understand road signs or understand um, the different aspects of how they can be a better participant uh, in, in that dialogue. And I, I think that level, because uh, we want to talk a little bit more about the, the role of education, mm -hmm. the need for education in helping us um, have less injuries, have less death, have more compatibility on our streets to make them safer. Uh, we want to delve into that. Before we go too much into that, though, Kyle, I want to ask you, because as we move into the latter part of 2018, uh, you know, a record year, a bad record year in mm -hmm. terms of what we've seen on the on the streets of Toronto in terms of fatalities and injuries. It's been, you know, many people, um, partly because I think there's a there's still a gap in awareness and understanding about Vision Zero, but yep. feel that Vision Zero is sort of lost, uh, but it doesn't just belong to Toronto all, uh, either. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a, it's an international thing. When you looked at 2019, um, are, are you more optimistic about where we can take this, that we can shift the tide? What, what are your thoughts just in terms of what we have to do to, quite apart from, I mean, obviously, well, I'll, I'll let you elaborate. What do we need to do to start to shift 
the the tide and start to move vi uh, towards vision zero sure we're moving I, in the yeah. opposite way so I, I think the answer is twofold uh, one I think is grassroots organizations like this putting the um, not direct political pressure on institutions uh, but this sort of sustained movement and this sort of trying to reframe the argument I think that's the first one uh, and then the second one comes down to as well sort of the idea of understanding that Toronto's not getting any bigger this education around sort of no modalities in the city are competing. You walk, you drive, you transit. Um, so in the meantime, if we can lessen um, the burden of the political changes by accepting a deeper sense of personal responsibility yeah. to community, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, anecdotally, just being on the road as a, as a parking officer, uh, I've been assaulted, I've been sworn at, I've seen fingers thrown out the window at people as they're driving around corners, cutting off pedestrians. There's this sense of identity, uh, sort of protection, anonymity being in a city. I grew up in a small town on a farm. If I cut off a little old Granny Old Smith over there, chances are I was going to hear about it from her, her grandson at the grocery store. Uh, but here you've got your little bubble and, and you can sort of escape that. I think that um, building community and sort of personal responsibility, accepting personal responsibility for your own actions in a public space. Uh, rather than sort of shifting blame uh, to lack of infrastructure or, or lack of political will, uh, because political will starts with each and every single one of us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose today to be a decent person. I'm not going to cut off granny. And often the debate, I find, uh, when we think about Vision Zero, when we think about the, this issue of ma about making our streets in Toronto safer, um, it, does, it does sometimes feel like, um, you know, some of the things that we dislike the most, which is this sense of entitlement. Mm -hmm. But yet on the streets, it yeah. seems to wield its uh, its ugly head uh, I, I, quite unfortunately, frequently. Unfortunately, I think that that one, unfortunately, comes down to also asking our leaders to tone down the rhetoric around the war on the car. Yeah. Every time that they say that there's a divide in our city between the suburbs and the downtown, that's the biggest thing. I can I canvass for candidates all across the city. The concerns of the people in Leaside are no different than the concerns of the people out in Ward 3 in Etobicoke Lakeshore where I live. We're all people. Um, so this idea of toning down the rhetoric, asking our politicians to say as well, be kinder to each other. Because we're living in this age of Trumpism and populism. The rhetoric is only ramping up. And it's fueling this animosity on our streets, uh, whether it's the traffic light, like everything is setting people off. So I think it starts hopefully with top-down leadership, uh, toning down the rhetoric, and us as well, personally, responsibly, uh, looking forward and saying, politicians are doing something for a reason, they're saying something for a reason. It deflects from their own action. What can I do it again today? It's the personal responsibility element. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just say I, I'm perfectly aligned to what you're saying about that personal responsibility um, and, and making sure you, you feel like you were talking about being on the farm and, and that, that neighborly, that community feel that um, when you cut someone off, that's your neighbor or you cut someone off, that's, that's maybe a distant cousin or whichever. Um, that idea about taking personal responsibility, not raising the temperature. And you're right, I, I think politics is fueling some of that, the, the media is fueling some of that, um, that protectionism, that defensiveness mm -hmm. that, that we all take when we either walk on the street or when we get in the car and we, are, we always go to the idea that someone is intending to hurt us, mm -hmm. right?
Yeah, and politics tends to be zero-sum, yeah. uh, as we know, and this has become a, a zero-sum uh, debate and conversation for the most part, which is unfortunate. And that's part of you know, the reason of Truce and other organizations trying to bring a level of civility <laughs> uh, to the streets and to the conversation. But part of that responsibility isn't just to, to try and put ourselves in the shoes of the other, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also taking the responsibility to understand uh, technically yes. how we navigate our cities, mm-hmm. whether you're a cyclist, whether you're a driver dealing with new bike lanes, um, you know, we can talk about weather, we can talk about infrastructure, we can talk. So that level of education uh, is also part and parcel of our responsibility, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And and we're trying to do that with, with um, Truce TO. So like you said, um, there is a lot of rules. There's a lot of rules that are new to folks. Um, I got my driver's license when I was 17, which was a long time ago. Um, bike lanes were not even thought about. Um, and now we need to think about how do we navigate if we're driving our vehicle or even if we're driving our, our, um, our cycle. Well, we're also a city of three million people. That's, now, right? that's true too, yeah. which wasn't the case when I was 17. Right. So what we've done at RSA is we've, we have set up a hub, Truce TO hub, and you can find it on trucetio.com. And it's really a great resource. Uh, it has lots of resources on the site to help you brush up on the rules of the road, signage, road safety, um, what are the best things to, to do when you um, are driving or when you're even walking, how you should be um, engaging with um, other participants. Uh, and it, it's, a great, it's a great spot to go to get all of that um, education. And there's other places you can go, but this has a, um, it's a great resource hub where everyone can, can tap into. You don't need a password, anything like that. You can just go in and, and uh, look at the resources. And it's dynamic. There's going to be Absolutely. some added uh, resources, added tools uh, added, to, added to the site over the coming weeks and months. Yeah, and right? there's fun little quizzes, yeah. et cetera, so to help people um, uh, engage, uh, engage in the website. But um, it is really important. I think the education piece is pretty critical uh, to, help you, uh, to help you be a better, better participant in, in the city. Um, Kyla, coming back to mm-hmm. to your uh, your your feelings, your opinions about the whole education side. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the major gaps? Uh, what can we do to drive that level of not just awareness and empathy, but technical know-how? Sure. So uh, one of the things I think that actually is what we're doing today mm-hmm. is partnerships with insurance companies. Insurance companies have a vested interest, financially and otherwise, in the safety and health of our communities. Uh, so these corporate responsibility programs are a big one to try and shift the culture uh, of people who use their services. Uh, the next one is advocating for change on driver education. So as mm-hmm. you were saying, um, driver's ed or you yeah. know, the rules have changed so much in that time, but the education has not. I can even remember when I got my license 15 years ago, um, nothing about bike lanes at all. And I was taken from the country out in Arthur, Ontario to drive, to even up to the city to Waterloo um, to learn how to drive. So I think we need to fundamentally change how driver's education is done in Ontario um, by teaching people who are perhaps not in the city, in in an urban centre, what the city, driving in the city looks like because we are a tourist hub. Um, Even within the city, uh, young drivers aren't teaching these things, right? It's anecdotally, here's a bike lane, it's not part of the testing process. So when it comes towards your driving test as well, you're expected to parallel park, you're expected to back into a parking space, you two should demonstrate that you know how to use your blind spots uh, when dealing with a bike lane or not clipping somebody off on a right-hand turn. Uh, the third one, I think, is um, public partnerships with with education institutions. So the TDSB has actually advocated that they're going to be putting out a road safety program for teachers to be teaching 
the kids on how to navigate the sort of mean streets of TO. I think that that's a fundamental failure that we've had in our city for the past 20 or 30 years. Uh, the Toronto Police used to have a program called Elmer the Safety Elephant. I remember Elmer yes. very well. Yes. Uh, he would come in and they even had biking programs, right? The police would teach you how to bike, give you a license. Well, yes, licensing and insurance for cyclists does not make sense in any way in terms of an enforcement uh, and sort of a, a restitution piece, right? You pay for the risk you present to society. C cyclists really don't present one. Uh, but we've lost that program in our schools. So starting young, telling kids about the different types of infrastructure, because right now we're not uh, one cohesive system infrastructure in Toronto. We've got patchwork all over the place. So it might change from Etobicoke Lakeshore down to the downtown. So I think these sort of three levels of um, partnerships with insurance industry, partnerships with um, provincial levels to change education, and then as well the city level, uh, and then hopefully you know even having these discussions at home uh, with your with your kids, um, you know, look two ways before you cross the street, uh, those types of conversations, but even even more in depth and more frequently. I think Torontonians are definitely engaged in this issue. They're passionate about this issue. Uh, again, I think I mean some of the positives the media has attributed to is it is raising that raising the profile of of vision zero aside from the other things but mm -hmm. raising that profile so people understand oh so we're actually moving towards something we're actually we actually have some sort of strategic plan maybe not all the the build out of the actions um, and all the real commitment but I do think that Torontonians see this as an important issue as you said you heard it at the mm -hmm. at the doors Everywhere of, the, of the neighbors so we need to we need to keep moving that forward and getting it pushed up up the priority level I just need to I think we need to find a way to, to change the conversation with the people to try and change mindsets a little yeah. bit better too because as much as people still do care about it out in Scarborough the the burbs where traffic fatalities and, and road violence are actually at a high their highest in the city um, changing that mindset of, of, of wanting to slow down streets, of wanting to give people other space for a few minutes less of their, you know, like added to their day. Um, I, I don't know how we get there. I mean, because that's been something that I've been personally trying to do for a couple of years now. Um, but I don't know how to change people from uh, saying that there's a problem to getting them to act sure. on the problem. Thank you both for joining us today. That's uh, Donna Ince, Senior Vice President at uh, RSA Insurance. And, uh, and Kyle, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. It's been great. Great, thank you. Um, that's all the time we have for this episode, but join us next time on Street Peace. When we delve into the future of transportation, we get into uh, some more specifics around curriculum, uh, around curriculum on education and what we could be doing more specifically uh, from a technical standpoint. As we know, that also impacts our empathy for the other. That's all we have for today. Thanks very much. Stay tuned.